Hello, everyone. Good evening to you. Hidden Treasures Revealed is on the air Tuesday evening. Me and Phil are here, and we will be right back in just a moment. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver, for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, Phil, we are back together again, and you have 10 seconds to tell me how your day was going. Shall I pause for about seven? <laughs> no, I mean, it, it had I, it had some challenges, but the challenges are good. And you know what we talked about recently about everything being a blessing. And so it's just a matter of uh, figuring out whatever the challenge is and how it's going to bless you in your life rather than worrying about uh, how, how bad it might feel because it doesn't have to feel bad. Uh, it can feel good. So that was probably about 13 seconds, but there you go. And that is the witty response of the 10 seconds, knowing that is the normal big picture men. We just say everything's good and all the detail is just left out. And, but no, I had a good day as well. Actually, where I was going to start with this is, and you didn't know this until you just spoke it. I'm going to go back a podcast a week ago and revisit the blessings and curses because what you just me before we came on the air, is that not a blessing? And I was just thinking about how with this information that I was given by Yah when we were walking last night about an aspect of my life, things that I've been doing and having an opportunity to set my mind in it. And now my heart will follow in the aspect of doing the best you can. And that's how this actual podcast topic came about is we've talked about this in podcasts before, but everything that Yah gives is ever increasing and growing because their truth is living and active. What they do, they are living and active. And this is something I had a scripture that came to mind with this. And I looked it up and after looking it up and thinking about it, having a different take on this than I was thinking it meant before. And this is speaking to me and I'm positive. This will speak to those out there that a lot of people, me included in the past, weighing yourself down, attempting to do everything, not that you in your mind intend to do it, but in your lower conscience that because of programming that you want to do everything exactly right, that you're attempting to be perfect in what you do, because if you do that, then you won't get punishment or you won't have anybody say anything to you that you did wrong, because if I can do everything right, I'll be accepted. And it is really a way to really weigh yourself down unnecessarily. And a member of our gathering, Sergio, he had texted me the other day, and this is even coming to mind now that he just said where he's struggling right now is he's just got this weight that is just being weighed down just so severely. And it, it came to mind that 
when you start this faith journey, when you seek with all your heart, because of sin, you're under the law and you're under a curse and you're under a burden that is so heavy to carry that the fact that if you were the only way that you could enter the kingdom of heaven would be when you're under law because you have sin in your life is you would have to live the law perfectly. And that is something that you are incapable of doing. But because we're made in the image of God, that the ultimate goal is to be perfect, but you cannot achieve that without God. And what happens is, is we'll attempt to do it ourselves. And we get to the point where we're carrying so much weight that you have to get to the point where you're carrying that weight and that weight has to break you. Like you've got to like, think about you're carrying a rock and you're carrying it and you got to get to the point where it's just so heavy and you can't carry it anymore. And it literally just, you just collapse because you just break under the weight of it. And that's the point of the journey of faith. The law is put in place to break you because it's to tell you that you're a sinner but it's meant to break you so that you can be in the intended place, which is not under the law, but abiding in the law, that you're in the spirit of it, that you're walking in obedience to God, that you're not carrying a weight that is too heavy for you to carry, but there's still a weight to it. (coughs) And I was thinking about this in the aspect of how many people out there think that Yeshua Messiah, that when he was on this earth, because he was, as it's been said before by people, that he was fully God and fully man and he was perfect. Well, then that would negate the word of God that says he was made like us in every way, yet without sin, so that he could be a merciful and faithful high priest and be the one that is the source of eternal salvation for those who obey him. And then there's another place where it says once he was perfected, when he ascended into heaven, because he had to be in a perfected body to ascend into the perfect kingdom. And just made me think of another concept to bring out that because of programming, because of what people have said in the world, that a lot of people and many years ago just thinking that, well, God is perfect. The Son of God was absolutely perfect when he was here. Therefore, if you think that, then, well, I can't be the Son of God. He was the only one that was perfect. So I sin and I ask for forgiveness. And yeah, I, yeah I'm a sinner because there's only one perfect one, and that's the Son of God. And just made me think to bring this out to everybody that on the journey of faith, that it does say, as the title of this podcast, to aim for perfection. What that means is if I'm aiming at something, if I'm, let's just say, if I'm, I'm a hunter, I've got a bow and arrow and I'm aiming at something, the aim is my focus point. So focus on perfection and focus on being godly, focus on Yah, focus on Abba and Yeshua and mother, focus on them. That's the goal. That's your, what you're setting your sights on. Aim for that because that's the ultimate goal. But before circumcision of the heart, you're going to keep aiming and you're going to keep missing the target and you're going to keep missing. But the point is, is to aim for it to, and the scripture that came to me before we started was, and there's different versions, but the one that first came to mind was when Messiah was telling the people 
that he said, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. And if you, by the way that that's written, you would think, well, how can I be, be perfect if I can't be perfect here? But what was interesting is I just happened to look up the new King James. And again, our dependency isn't on the version it's on Yah, but the way that this came out just brought more clarity. And it says, you be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Meaning that the goal of faith, once you have the fullness of it is perfecting, which means perfecting is you take something that has been complete and you fine tune and you make even better. And it made me think of this. If you're, we've, cause I, and you, you and I like cooking. If I'm making a chocolate cake, let's say, and I made a chocolate cake zero times. I've never made a cake. Well, how can I perfect making a chocolate cake if I've not completed the process of making a chocolate cake? I make one and then, wow, you know, that's pretty good, but that's just not the way my mom made it. So I'm going to do it again. And maybe I can add a little bit of salt here. Maybe I can add a little bit of sugar here and do this or that. I'm, I'm going to make it better the next time. And then you make it again. And wow, the, this is, I'm really improving in this. I'm going to, going to keep at this. It's really the aspect of practicing. And there's a statement in the world that says practice makes perfect. And what came to my mind was practice is perfecting. So we're told by Messiah that the wise person is the one that hears his words and puts them into practice. That that is the one to the person building their house on the rock versus the one building their house on the sand. So once we learn the fundamentals and we come to the fullness of faith, it's about perfecting. It's about growing and fine-tuning and improving yourself and being able to be self-controlled, work on your lower conscience. And the reason this came to mind to come out to people listening is, is that you yourself without God are not capable of doing anything perfectly in a perfected state because faith itself is not about you being perfect works. It's about faith, and but there are works that we do, and we've talked about this on previous podcasts, that there are works that have been laid down from the foundation of the earth for us to do. We've been predestined in Messiah to do good works. But just doing what the law says to bring about righteousness is not going to do it because the word also says that the law made nothing perfect. If there was a law that would bring righteousness and certainly there would be perfection could come. But what happens is, is that perfection is the end of the faith journey because you start with seeking with all your heart and you believe God, you believe in God, you repent, you walk in repentance, you walk in obedience, you walk in trust to the point where you crucify yourself with Messiah, you are put to death. And then by the circumcision of the heart, you are resurrected from the dead. You're sealed with mother within. Then the end of that, once you're resurrected, is perfected. So the journey has to go in the order of you have to die first. Then you have to be resurrected. Then you can be perfected. And it's the exact same journey as Messiah. Messiah 
came just like the word says, he came to be like us in every way. The difference between us and him is that when he came to the age of accountability, which it's referred to as, to choose the right and wrong, which is to choose obedience to his mother and father, or selfishness, which is sin, disobedience. He chose obedience to his parents. That's the difference. As well as he had the blood of Abba and Ema within him, that perfect blood from them, that his sacrifice must be given first because that's the absolute best sacrifice that could be given. You have the blood of Yah within him in his heart of complete and total obedience to Abba and Ema made his sacrifice the best one possible, he being the way, he giving his sacrifice, us following in his footsteps by faith, we are accepted by God in him, and therefore we walk as he did, and therefore we are then perfected in the end. But what happens is is so much focus is on the actual, with the sin nature, and you attempting to be perfect in your deeds, and you cannot do that. And what I came to the realization with this was I was carrying a weight of attempting to do everything perfect and weighing myself down. And even you could think about even in faith that well, I got to do this exactly right because I don't want to disappoint God. I don't want to do this. And well, if I put myself under that burden, the word makes it clear that you're under a curse, that Messiah is no benefit to you. If you tenderly put yourself under a works mentality Works are a part of faith, but it's not by works, it's by faith. And for a time that you are, people are going to feel the weight of their sin, and they're going to feel the weight of how difficult it is. But the ultimate goal is to aim to be godly, to be holy, but just realize where the perfection part of it is we're not able to be perfected until death, that either being raised at the last day or caught up with Yah, that having that perfected state, that's something that God does. Our responsibility is is to take the faith that we attain and continually train yourself to be godly and work out your salvation and perfect the faith. Instead of getting to, because if you think of, well, I'll just be perfect, and that's a linear aspect, but the circular aspect is you're continually perfecting, always looking to improve. It's not the fact that you do something that would be considered wrong or dysfunctional. It's what do you do after the fact? Do you look to correct it? Do you look to just, well, nothing I can do. It's just, that's it. It's a, it's a continual journey of applying lessons that Yah teaches and just looking for continued improvement, not an absolute state of, all right, everything is perfected. Everything's done. Well, that will come, but it's just a way to not burden ourselves unnecessarily to where you attempt to do everything absolutely the rightest it could be, just look to continue to do right and just continue, continually improve whatever in whatever aspect that you're in. And this just a, came to my mind to help me with, you're weighing yourself down unnecessarily on something that you cannot achieve. So why waste your time on something that you yourself cannot do? Go in the order that it's supposed to be in, that you have the fullness of faith in God. Now it's about learning, growing, improving. It's not about you getting to an end and just, all right, that's it. There's nothing else to do because that's the training of the linear aspect. It's about obedience to God. That's what this, and we were told that 
It's about trust and obey to them that even the story of the rich young man in his mind, well, I've lived the law perfectly. I mean, I've kept the commands. I haven't broken the 10 commandments of God. So that that's good enough, right? That that's, that's enough to be righteous. And no, there's more to it because you think that you've obeyed the law. Okay. Well, you've come to me as the son of God and I'm giving you something to make a choice to obey. Go and sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. So not only do you have to give up everything, it's also about following me. And my life, Messiah's life was not perfect. He was perfected, but his life was that full obedience to God from his heart. And what was pleasing to God was that he does everything that I ask him to do. And it's the same thing with us. Whatever I ask you to do, you do it from a willing heart. That you're willing to do whatever it takes in this. And I've seen this and heard about stories of this church that intentionally, unintentionally, people look at a pastor and think they've got to be absolutely perfect because they find out that the pastor does something. Oh, you you cheated on your wife or you did something. You've got to be removed. Because we can't have that here. We can't have a pastor that's sinning like that. But then you do the same things and you hide it. But then the pastor has a moment, they do that, and it comes into the light. And then you want to get rid of them because you have a standard, well, Messiah wouldn't do that. So you need to just get away and you need to. But if the person has a genuine heart of repentance to God, no, there's no reason to remove me. I've repented to God of this. And I'm working on getting away from it and I'm learning from it. There's no reason to remove me from this. Now, if I continue in this and I don't repent of it, then we have another issue. Then you're not walking in the will of God. So yes, you you should be stepping aside. But in these aspects anyway, should you be in a position like that, leading a congregation, telling them what they're doing or not doing, but then the finger is pointed at everybody in that situation, but just... This just came to mind because it was a help for me, just Yah teaching me yesterday that we carry burdens unnecessarily, but there are burdens that we must carry. But the goal is not in this faith journey to just do everything absolutely right with no error, no mistakes that no, because we're human and we're going to do things that we shouldn't do. But it's about learning what the will of God is and in that will and doing the absolute best you can walking in that full repentance, obedience, and trust, and just continually looking to improve in that. So that that's where the actual aspect of this fill came from. And I'll turn it over to you for any thoughts, but this just beautifully, this just another concept that just goes along with the other topics on the podcast, just to, to bring to light that walking in perfection is the, is the ultimate goal but it's make sure that we're in the, the actual correct process of it, of what it actually means. Right. And with what you were talking about, about what we see and have seen in the Christian church with the pastor sinning and then the congregations got to get rid of them or they, uh, whatever committee's in charge has got to get rid of them because he's sinning, but everybody in the whole congregation is sinning. So if you, uh, that's just one way to point out the hypocrisy that takes place 
because everybody else is sinning and so is he, but we've got to get rid of him. Why aren't we emptying the whole church of all the sinners in that case? And, and now, don't get me wrong, from the right true perspective of God, nobody should be in a position of a pastor who's pastoring a church, who, who's shepherding people that has sin in his life. That, that because it's sin. And therefore, you haven't gotten away from sin, so you're not teaching other people that you can get away from sin. And so they're expecting you not to sin because eventually you're going to get found out. Eventually, when you sin, you're going to get found out. And it's just important that people walk the, the true faith journey in order that they can uh, be able to recognize and see the reality that, yes, you have to find a place that you don't sin. But that doesn't mean that everybody in the congregation is going to be have circumcision of the heart. We have some gathering with us that haven't made it to circumcision of the heart yet. And the objective goal uh, that we we put out there is seek God with all of your heart. God will make every step in the process clear if you're seeking with all of your heart, and that's what you do. That's what you put your focus on. Yes, I want to be at circumcision of the heart, but I'm not going to look at that step because I'm not at that one. I'm going to be right here at the beginning. God, I'm just going to seek you with all of my heart. I'm going to do everything that you want me to do. And uh, that that's what I'm going to do. And then to the best of your ability, that's what you carry out. I, part of the process, and people know that they are not supposed to sin in faith. And so what happens is, you said it earlier, people hide their sin. So if I don't do it in front of you, if I'm somewhere and I know somebody from the church is there and well, I'm going to watch my P's and Q's and make sure I don't do anything out of line, but as soon as I'm somewhere where I don't think anybody from the church is around, then I let my guard down and I, and I sin. Well, that's being tossed back and forth and you're, and I, I, when I was in Christianity, that's part of the, the pattern that I followed was trying to, I, uh, I knew that I wasn't supposed to sin. So I want to give the appearance to everybody that I don't sin, but I knew that it wasn't going away and it wasn't getting better. And sometimes it was getting worse. I knew that that wasn't the right thing. And you know, eventually having circumcision of the heart. Now I understand the other side of it. And until you have circumcision of the heart, you can say, no, that's not true. Everybody sins. And no, until you've walked where I've walked, you can't tell me what I have, what I know, what I have, what I've experienced. And, but if I've walked where you walked, I can tell you where, what you've experienced because I've experienced the same thing. I've been in it. So it is true that somebody who's a sinner should not be in that that position over overseer, pastor, deacon. Why? Because we have in the Bible where it says, 
the overseer must be above reproach. If you're above reproach, that means you can't be reproached. You can't be rebuked because you're already, you've already repented to God and you're working in the process of perfecting. And therefore, there's nothing that anybody can bring against you because you're already working on things that you have in your lower conscience to move them along. I want to go back and revisit, and we talked about this in a podcast, but I want to revisit this because it's important that people understand the concept of Messiah and Messiah being fully, fully human and fully God, because that's, that's a place where it brings a lot of confusion for people because there's, there's an understanding that comes with it that allows you to have the understanding and the logic behind it. And the reality is, is that he's considered fully God because he was conceived of Abba and Ima, the father and mother, the Holy Spirit and, the, and father came together, conceived Messiah. So now he's fully God in that in that conceived form, he's fully God. And then he was placed in Mary, Mary being the surrogate, so that he would be fully human. So he would be born into a corrupt life, but he himself choosing incorruptibility, that he chose not to be corrupted at the age of accountability. And there's a little side note that with the Jewish customs, uh, the children are not expected to follow the law, like the law of Moses. They're not expected to follow the law of Moses until after their bar mitzvah or their bat mitzvah, okay, which is the time that they transfer from being a child to an adult. And it's the same thing uh, with Messiah that when he was a child, he wasn't under the law, therefore, uh, sin is not taken into account. The law is not taken into account because it wasn't there for him. But once he came to the age of accountability, that's when he made the choice he was going to obey God and then walk through that journey and that path of continually doing the obedient thing to God and continuing to perfect until he entered into the kingdom where he was perfected. So it's really important that people understand that Messiah was fully God, but it was at his conception, which was right before he was placed in Mary, conceived of the Holy Spirit, placed in Mary. Now he became fully man so that now when he's born, he has to die. If he was born in the kingdom, if he, if he was in the kingdom with Abba and Ema as a, as a, a, a being, not, not being conceived, but being born in the kingdom, then him coming here means nothing because he would have been immortal. And because he would have been immortal, him coming here, his death means what? If he's already immortal. So he even had to do it. He had to walk 
the way he did in obedience to Abba so that he could get back into the kingdom just as well as us. Had he deviated from the plan and, and walked in disobedience to God, then he would have been defeated, and that would be just the, the, the total uh, disruption of, the, of what God is, but he didn't. And that's why the enemy was tempting him in the desert and tempted him at other times as well, because all he, the devil knew, the enemy of God knew that all I got to do is get him to, to, to sin one time. That's it. All I got to do is get him to break a command. But what did Messiah do? He constantly went back to the scriptures. He went back to what the law and the prophet says. And no, I, the, the word says, man, shall, uh, man does not eat by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so he was using the scriptures to keep himself from sinning because that was his heart, was obedience to God. So he came, Mary gave birth to him, so now he's fully human, so he had the sinful nature within him. But he had the ability to control his desires of obedience to God. Look at all the ones from the Old Testament that walked in obedience to God and were credited with righteousness. And they weren't the son of God. So just bringing that point out because people need to understand how he was fully God and fully man. He wasn't fully God in his perfected form and then come here. He was fully God by the by the makeup of who he was, he had the blood of Abba and Ema. That's that's was his blood, and that's what made the sacrifice that he had a perfect sacrifice because he had the blood of Abba running through his veins. So that when that blood was shed, that's what was poured out on the altar in heaven, and then as he passed through the tabernacle in heaven, then he was perfected. Today, I am your father, you have become my son. And that's the the reality of it. So why is this important for us to understand? Well, because like a scripture that you had mentioned, he came to be like his brothers and sisters in every way. So if he wasn't fully human with the capability to sin and the capability to die, then I cannot relate to him. But because he came the way he did, now I can relate to him. And if he did it in a human body form, he showed me the example, do what I did, and you will be able to do the same thing that I'm doing. That he had to enter in to heaven first so that his sacrifice covers, but then you have to sacrifice yourself here to get rid of the selfishness to turn yourself completely over to God. And then you are in Messiah where you're seen from God as perfect, but you're not perfect yet because you're being seen through Messiah. Messiah is 
uh, been perfected. So now you're being seen as perfect. Abba sees you as perfect. Ima sees you as perfect. But we're on a continual journey of perfecting. We know we're not perfect because Messiah, when he was here, he was not perfect. He, if he was perfect when he was here, it would have been an impossibility for him to die. And if if it was an impossibility for him to die and he came anyway, then his coming means nothing to me because I can't relate to him. The reason the word says he came to be like his brothers and sisters in every way is because it's telling us that we can relate to him. We can walk as he did. Just like the scripture says, anybody who claims to be in him must walk as he did. And it's a fact. You must walk as he did. And you are capable of walking as he did. He, he came to be an example that you would follow in his footsteps. He told people, don't sin. Go and sin no more. Leave your life of sin so that something worth, worse won't happen to you. So he's telling you that you have the capability if you live my life. If you set your mind and your heart to the absolute obedience of, of my Father in heaven, then you will have what I had, which is a sin-free life. Now, he was, he was sinless from his point of accountability on from there. We were sinners past our point of accountability, well past point of accountability. That's the way that, that life works. You can't help it. You're a sinner. You're born into the life sinner. And somebody will, well, how fair is that, that God, God made me a sinner? And uh, then how is it my fault? Oh, if you want to point the finger and blame anybody, Blame your parents. They're the ones that chose to get together and bring you into the world. God never forced anybody to bring anybody into the world. And so it's the concept and the act of perfecting. And if you want to see perfecting in a beautiful form, look at some of the Old, the old Testament perspectives where Job made statements that he regretted, and then he repented and continued to move on and improve and increase and, and get better in his life. Same thing with David, the prophets. Uh, that's the reality, is that we can walk as he did. That's why he came here. Yes, he came to take away sin. So that when we walk as he did, we crucify ourselves with him and walk in the obedience of God, then we have no more sin. There is no condemnation for those who are in Messiah. And if you have no condemnation, then you cannot profess that you sin. And if you profess that you sin, you have condemnation. And in Messiah, we don't have condemnation. And so it's really important, but it's something that you can't understand until you've actually been there and experienced it. So if you haven't been there, just know that it's possible, but just focus on whatever step you're at, wherever you are, you focus on that. Your desire is to be circumcision of the heart. Your ultimate desire is to dwell in the kingdom of God for eternity. So just take it one step at a time and do whatever step you're on to the absolute best.
best of your ability because it's a mind game. In the beginning of the faith journey, it's a mind game. It's, it's you set your mind, you're not going to sin, but you're going to sin. You don't have a choice because you still have the sinful nature, but your mind has to consistently be, no, I don't agree with this. This doesn't line up with God. I'm not going to do it. Even though you do it a thousand times, your response a thousand times will be the same thing. No, I don't agree with this. It's not of God. I'm not going to do it. It's exactly what the uh, those that came before Messiah that weren't able to have circumcision of the heart by mother yet, that they circumcised their hearts by having that attitude, and therefore... uh, they got a credit as righteousness. And then when Messiah finished his work, then he went into the depths of the earth to where they were being held. And he brought circumcision of the heart to those that walked in that obedient mindset. And so the beginning of faith in the Old Testament perspective, going after Abba first, it's a mind game. It's you have to have your mind set solidly on what you're going to do Even though it's not happening, you have to keep that mindset in order to eventually achieve that goal. And so you have to be steadfast. You you have to really be locked in. You have grit, determination, full commitment. Again, I'll recite another scripture that we've said many times, and we'll say, say it again many times, I'm sure. For the eyes of the Lord range back and forth throughout the whole earth, searching to strengthen the heart that is fully committed to them. Not partially, fully, not in pretense, in actuality. And when you are fully committed to God, you you would set in your mind. I remember talking to God about this and saying, God, I don't care if I fight this till the day I die. I will never agree with this. And I'm going to fight it. I'm fighting this with the mindset that I'm going to overcome it someday. Well, when you start walking with Messiah, Messiah teaches you the obedience perspective. You walk as he did. Then you get the achievement of that so that you don't sin like he didn't sin. Now you have a comfort. You have God is the, the, the God of all comfort. Well, that's where your comfort comes from because you don't have any more condemnation. You know that your uh, your hope is secure and it's absolute so that then you start to deal with things of fear. No, I'm not going to fear anything because if I don't have to fear God, there's nothing left to fear because God's the one that dishes out punishment. And the Bible says fear has to do with punishment. And so I'm not if I don't fear God, I don't fear anything. And there's a process when you get circumcision of the heart of you being able to recognize what you have and uh, be able to see it within your life because you've been programmed for so long in a certain way. And so it's just really important things as we talk about this that you want to understand that Messiah was fully God, that's great. But know that he was fully man. He came to be just like you so he could show you how to do it. And he is the grace, which means that 
if you walk through that door, meaning you live his life, you do what he did. He told the people this when they thought he was talking about cannibalism. He told them, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. What does that mean? It means nothing else than you must walk in this life as I have walked. I came to show you, and I've shown you, it's up to you. I'm not doing it for you. Messiah is not going to do it for you. They cannot do it for you. You must do it on your own accord, but you can't do it without Messiah. He won't do it for you, but you have the you get to the place where you're in Messiah, circumcision of the heart. Without Messiah, you could do nothing. And that's why Paul made the statement about uh, that what I do, uh, it, it's not me doing it. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. And so it's he's recognizing that without Christ, I couldn't be in this place of not having sin. So I'm not taking any glory for myself. And when we get to a place where we don't sin, we don't take glory like a boastful, yeah, I don't sin, that's right. No, as a matter of fact, it's, I keep it more personal, more, you know, if somebody asks me and we get in a conversation about it, I'll be honest with them and I'll tell them that, you know, I don't sin. But generally, I don't need to go announcing that to any everybody because uh, I've I've already dealt with it. It's I know what it is. I'm walking in it. I have the knowledge of it, and therefore, it's all good. So, very interesting. I um was thinking about the scripture that you were thinking about about Paul, and. Think about this, and if I remember right in the Word, it might be in Colossians, in one of the New Testament books. And it says that you died, meaning that you've been crucified with Christ, and it says that your life is hidden in Christ, in God. What God sees is they see Messiah. Your heart and your soul your life itself, core of who you are, your soul is in Messiah. It's hidden there. We still have the body of flesh, but there's no sin in our heart. So we still carry this body. The body has the sin nature in it. And what I was just thinking of is it makes sense with when the word says that let us come boldly before the throne of grace to get help in our time of need. that the boldness isn't an arrogance, it's because it's Messiah himself standing before Abba and Ema, you in him, and you're speaking face-to-face being in Messiah, that without him, we couldn't go before the throne of grace. But what Yah sees is Messiah, and that's why the things that we do that, and it's a process once you have a vision of the heart that you realize that you're not under condemnation, but you still, things are done, but you're in the constant state of perfecting to where, no, I don't agree with that. I'm not doing that again. I'm doing this, which is godly. Well, therefore, Yah doesn't see that because your life is hidden in Messiah. But what happens is, and it'd be like this, like I'm looking at on your side of the wall here, there's a mattress. If I'm if I'm hiding behind that, that I'm there, but you can't see me to where 
what happens is, is at the point of what it's saying is, is that the, the life that you live, we live to God and Messiah. And that's why when Paul says, says, it's not I that do it, it's Christ in me, because we're not able to be godly without being in Messiah, because that's from the heart to the actual being. You have to have the fullness of deity and bodily form to be godly, that, that you're now a spiritual being. But if you're not in Messiah, that's why I'm saying you can do nothing because in your heart, if you don't have circumcision of the heart, then you still have the sin nature in there and you can't, Yah cannot, mother cannot come in to live in your heart and dwell there forever if the sin nature is not taken away. So the point is, is that once you get to circumcision of the heart, that's when the real work begins because you now have the godly nature in your heart. So therefore all the garbage that's been in the lower conscience must go. It's got to be purged. And it's not going to all be purged at one time. It, it's it's a process of purging, which you could think of like the word purge, like you would throw up and get rid of that which is not necessary. And that's the process of perfecting is you're now in Messiah and you're walking as he did. You're living your life for God now, not for selfishness, but selflessness. And that's how you're able to be self-controlled or really in the process of self-control that you can produce godly fruit because you're now grafted into the tree of life by circumcision of the heart, that that's mother, that that's how you're able to produce fruit. And that's why Messiah says, apart from me, you can do nothing godly because in your heart is that sin and wickedness that even though in your mind you have righteousness in your mind, but you cannot be righteous. You can't be holy in heart until circumcision of the heart where you can now produce fruit and you can actually be godly and be Messiah here on earth. And what's interesting is it's the reverse that he was conceived of Abba and Ema and placed in Mary. We were conceived of our parents, but then now with circumcision of the heart, we're now conceived of mother that we're now put in her womb waiting for the last day to where we come out and are born of the spirit because Messiah, we were just talking about this, that Yeshua was talking to Nicodemus and Nicodemus was kind of dumbfounded. He didn't understand that. He said that in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to be born of water and of the Holy spirit, which is mother. So you have to be born into this world. And ultimately he's talking about, you've got to have the fullness of faith, the one baptism, the baptism by water. But the fullness of faith is you have to be born of spirit. You have to have circumcision of the heart in order to enter the kingdom of heaven because just, and we talked about this before, do you have to be baptized to have salvation? Yes, you must be baptized. But it's not that you're literally plunged into water. It's in the physical. It's about the spiritual immersed in the fullness of the repentance and the obedience and the trust. Because the point is, is to the goal is perfection, the, the kingdom of heaven. So aim for it. That, that, that's your goal in, in your journey of faith. When you start seeking, you, you're seeking to be in the kingdom of heaven. That, that's the place of perfection. That, that's the perfect kingdom. But Yah will help you to perfect on the journey to where when you're walking in repentance, the more you walk in repentance, you're perfecting, that you're improving in repentance, and then you get to obedience, and then you're improving in obedience, and you're improving, you're perfecting in trust until you you get to that state where you receive a new body 
where you're perfected, which means once we're immortal and we're there in the kingdom, we're perfected and we cannot again experience death because we're immortal. We, we cannot die once we get there. So we must die here. So it's either you die here first and you're raised to new life and then you get to live life with God or you live for yourself here and you have to die anyway, but you'll have the second death which is the separation from God into the abyss. So, and the word even says is blessed are those that do not have a part in the second death, which obviously those that are blessed are the ones that are going to be the bride of Messiah. But this whole thing, it's a journey of perfecting because Abba is not going to move you on to Yeshua if they don't show that you're working in repentance. And Messiah is not going to lead you to mother because just like Abba will lead you draw you to Messiah, Messiah will draw you to mother. And it works the same way there, that it's a, it's a process of learning and growing and practice. Just like the, the term in the world, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. It's a journey of continual growth. And even the word mentions this in Second Peter right at the beginning, that make every effort to add to your faith, goodness and kindness and self-control, all these different things so that you will be neither ineffective or unproductive in your knowledge of Messiah, your Lord. So it's just this taking together what Yah has been teaching and just continually adding and growing to it where we're not called to just be stagnant and not move and grow. So just had those thoughts. Look yeah. Like you got something. <laughs> yeah. I got um, some information from mother and it makes sense. It goes along with stuff we've talked about before and this right here. And I, so we, we want to be careful when we say that we're not perfect, but we're perfecting. And I'll give a I'll give you the understanding that mother gave me, which makes perfect sense. OK. You have four parts of the human condition. OK, you have. The body. And you have the mind, the heart and the soul, okay? Three of those move on and they go to the kingdom. One of those remains here, okay? The tent of the body will remain here. So look at perfect from the objective goal of, like we've talked about baptism, where for you to be perfect, now, as we have this body, okay, we cannot be completely perfected like Messiah, okay? He had to shed his body here, his body, when he entered into the kingdom. And so we have to shed this body before we can be completely per perfect, okay? But here's what Mother had given me, that you go through the perfecting or the, or the being perfect in three stages. Okay. And this goes along with what we've talked about, the gospel message. Uh, we've, it's, it goes along with Abba, Messiah and mother. And so think about what the first step in your circumcising your heart. What's the first step is for you to perfect your mind, the perfection of your mind is the absolution of a mindset that I'm going to agree with God. It's your repentance 
that I'm going to agree with God, no matter whether I understand or not, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it absolutely, completely, wholeheartedly, 100%. Okay. So now you've perfected your mind. All right. Then you go to the aspect of perfecting your, uh, your heart. So the obedience is what gives you that ability to start working on recognizing what's in the heart that you can't deal with yet. But again, you, you set it in your mind and then you start practicing to get it in your heart. And then when you have circumcision of the heart, then your soul, the spirit of who you are is, is perfect. Okay, so so at circumcision of the heart, you have three pieces of perfection, but you do not have a perfect body. This is why the sinful nature is taken out of your heart, okay, and placed in the body of flesh, so that you have you are perfect in mind, uh, soul, and heart. With circumcision of the heart, you are perfect in those three, but you still have the body of flesh, that that body is not perfected. You have to transform to a new body once you enter into the kingdom. And so we can't be absolutely perfect. We have three stages of perfection because we live by the Spirit. And this explains that you have the fullness of deity in bodily form. So the fullness of deity is mind, heart, and soul in the form of this body, that this tent that we have here. Well, that's going to be left behind, and that's why the sinful nature is taken out of your heart and placed in the body of flesh because the body of flesh is going to stay here. So anybody who continues on into the next life, the afterlife, the, the, uh, once they die here, if that sinful nature has not been taken out of their heart, then they cannot be in the kingdom of God because the heart goes and you cannot have sin in the kingdom of God. And therefore, it has to be transferred to the body of flesh, the thing that the tent that you're going to leave here when you part this life, and then we'll all get the, the new body once we enter into the kingdom. And like Paul said, we don't know what that is right now, but it's the, the aspect. So we, if we can claim we don't sin, then we have to be able to claim an aspect of perfection. Now, it's not our perfection. It's the perfection of Messiah that gave us the ability as we follow and walk in his footsteps that we get the same aspect and the same pro uh, process uh, within it. And so that's a, another aspect of understanding that Mother had just given me to realize that you have the fullness of deity. And here's the thing, and I, I would say this to anybody who is seeking with all of their heart to know that why you, you can be in this faith or you must be in this faith without sin because of that scripture that you brought out about the fullness of and bodily form. Deity is God, right? Okay, so if deity is God, can God sin? Right. It's an absolute impossibility for God to sin. 
And so if I'm considered to have the fullness of deity in bodily form, then I am incapable of sinning. The only way that I can sin now is to go back and have that sinful nature put back in my heart. And if I put that sinful nature back in my heart, then I'm eternally condemned. Because when I die, uh, well, I've already trampled Messiah's blood by putting that back in. And Messiah's already died once. He can't be, he can't come again because he's already been perfected, immortal. And so I'm eternally condemned. And this is why the warnings in the Bible about once you've had the fullness of it and you've fallen away, that you can't be brought back to repentance. And it's for those reasons that you're not capable because you were perfect at one point in uh, mind, heart, and soul. And then by bringing the sinful nature back in, you just reversed all that back to an imperfect state for all of it without any uh, possibility of return. The key thing I want to mention in this is that a lot of times when people feel like they've committed the unforgivable sin, they haven't because they haven't understood the faith to the uh, to the degree that God uh, has slated for them to know it. And therefore, if you're feeling like you've committed that and there's no hope, well, you would have more of an arrogance and I, I like, yeah, I know I committed it. I don't want it anymore. That's why I turned from it. And so you would be even worse than you were in the past. You would be worse than what you were in the, in the beginning. We just want to uh, let people know that you can live a life without sin. And then the perfecting part, okay, because that's a part of it, is now when you are beating your body into submission. When the body says, I want to do this, no, I master you now. Uh, I have the, the perfection in my mind, my heart, and my soul. So now... I'm controlling you. You're not going to control me. But that slave is going to want to do its own thing at times, and that's why you have to beat your body into submission, always with the concept of, no, it's, this is just a improvement, and, and you will see as you walk that journey, your life will improve and get better and increase, and you will be able to live knowing that you don't sin. And this is huge for people to... Uh, recognize and understand because we want them to know that you can know with an absolution your faith. And there's not a question of whether whether you've done it or you have it or no, that that is all subsided at circumcision of the heart. When you start to read through the scripture and realize in him, there is no sin. In him, you will be like this. In him, you have the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and you see that growing and increasing in your life. And if you can't grow that and increase that in your life in all aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, then you have to really evaluate your, uh, your faith. Do I really have the faith? Did I walk the journey? Did I walk through the Old Testament to see Abba as a a terror? And did I walk through it to the point that it broke me, that all the weight of it broke me 
to where, God, I, I can't do this anymore. I need you because I know that I can't do it. I'm still going to fight it, but I, I can't do it. So you, when you finally break, then God will test you in it. And then, okay. And we see that you're, you've broken, you've repented, you're, uh, we're bring you to Messiah. You're, uh, setting your heart to the absolute obedience like Abraham did, like Noah did, like Moses did, that I'm going to do everything the Lord tells me to do. Yeah, you're going to miss things that or some, something's going to go uh, slide out of your memory and then you'll be reminded of it. No, okay, yeah, I'm going to do that. And that's that's what it's all about. So just uh, uh, this is a great aspect for people to understand about perfect what's perfect, what's not, what's the perfecting, because we don't, we don't complete like the immersions, the baptisms with this step. We don't complete the perfection until we've entered into the kingdom with the new body. Once we have the new body, now we are completely perfected. But in the process of perfecting, you are considered because they see you through the eyes of Messiah that you are perfect in their eyes. And anybody who is perfect will not sin. You're, you're, it's an impossibility for you to sin when you are in Messiah. Whether people want to accept that or not, that's not on us. If you're seeking God with all of your heart and you want to know the truth, this is it. And I promise you, you walk the journey, you do what the, the Bible says, you fill the stipulations that God put out there, without fail, they will give you what they promise. Without fail and with absolution, you will have it. It's worth the fight. It's worth the journey. It's worth, worth the struggle. Sometimes the tears, sometimes the pain. It is well worth it for what we gain because we gain our life, our soul, and a beautiful place in eternity with God. I'm going to take us back to the order. This is, a, I think this is a mathematical term, the order of operations. It must be in the order that it was given. It's got to be the mind first, then the heart then the soul. It, we don't go the soul, then the heart, then the mind. And the way we know this is that when you're going to, in order to change your heart, you've got to change your mind first in order to get it into your heart. And that's, it, it, it's the beautiful order of you walk in repentance. And we had talked about this before that you start the journey of you repent to God, your sin gets worse. Why? I want to see how much you're going to walk in the perfecting of this. Are you willing to, Oh, I thought it was going to, well, everything just goes away. Oh no, I'm going to, I'm going to test your perfecting aspect because your sin's going to get worse. And you're going to be like, God, what is going on here? I thought it was supposed to get better. Why is it getting worse? It's just, it seems like it's getting harder than it's ever been. Yeah. Because I'm going to see how committed are you to perfecting the aspect of repentance? And then, you get to that aspect and then you're willing to, I'm willing to do anything to be obedient. I'm not going to disobey you. Okay. Well, now that I show, I, I see that you've shown me that you've shown Abba that you're willing to do that and you've been tested in it. And okay, 
Well, now I'm going to take you to my son and he's going to show you what the aspect of true obedience is, is no matter what we ask, you do it with a willingness and you're going to be tested in obedience. Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? Are you willing to leave father, mother, sister, brother? You're not worthy of me if you're not willing to do that. And then you do that. And then are you at the point of shedding your blood and your fight against sin to the point of you're willing to not want to sin so bad that you're willing to put yourself to death over it because you just cannot stand this body of death that just keeps sinning against God and it's just enough is enough to where you're even willing to put yourself to death. And then with mother, and that's why we've got to be careful when, well, not that we're careful, but just with people teaching about the new covenant. Well, yeah, just you just accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and you're all saved, you're all set. No, that that it, if because you're putting it all on him, what he did, there's no perfecting on your part. Those that claim to be in him must walk as he did. Well, that walk is a walk of perfecting. And if you don't walk as he did, then it shows that you have no repentance, you have no obedience, and you have no trust if you are not walking as Messiah did. And the way and the craftiness of the enemy is that the enemy will bring people right to or attempt to bring them to the sun and bypassed Abba. And because the enemy, he knows that, hey, if you don't have repentance, you're not going to come to the sun anyway. So you can think that you've come to the sun all you want, but it's going to be of no benefit to you. Because if you haven't been training your mind to do whatever to ask, and I'm willing to accept whatever Abba says, then you won't listen to Yeshua. Because you haven't listened to the Father first. And like we had brought this up, that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, you have to see the Father first in order to see the Son, and you've got to see the Son in order to see Mother. And it, it cannot go the other way because, Phil, I don't know if you thought about this, but and we've had instances of this where Mother, um, we see Mother as she in the Old Testament and with wisdom and Proverbs and with different aspects, Deborah and, and the other godly women. But I had this thought coming over with this, that why see a lot in the actual text of the spirit and being clear that that she's a she and stuff like that that you've got to come to messiah in order to for her to be revealed to you because she's hidden she's there but it's just she's hidden for a time because the order of things is you go to abba first and you go to yeshua and then when messiah says i'm going to send you the helper which is my mother then you can clearly and i'm not saying that you don't see mother but the aspect of when you can start seeing her more and more is when Messiah draws you to her. And now, now it's baptism by fire and you're going to struggle and suffer because you're now in the aspect of trust and you're really going to be tested in your perfecting of this as well. And she's going to be helping you and guiding you, but it's still the aspect that they're all there together, but it's just, they have different responsibilities in the journey. And they all work together as one. And I just find it interesting that like with Messiah, that without mother with him, he wasn't able to do what he was doing. He wasn't able to have the power to heal. It was mother's power that was resting upon him that when people touched his garment or they, he said power came out of me. It was the power of a mother within him and things like that. But I had this thought with this, with the aspect of what mother brought out, that the body is the part that stays here. 
and it just, it clicked in my mind. It's like, that makes sense is why do you have to have a new body? Because you need a new tent to house the three aspects because you don't have the body of flesh anymore. So it makes sense is now because you've perfected this, now the reward is now you get the heavenly body that will now take everything that we have, all the knowledge of God, which is treasure in heaven, the, the understandings, the wisdom that we just got today that we're not going to forget that. We'll, we'll take that with us and it will be in that body. And now we'll have the fullness of the God, God the fullness of the Godhead, the unified that now we're perfected. Now we're able to have the capability to use the fullness of our mind, which being in Messiah, we have the capability to use more of our mind than other people do because we have, yeah, open up those areas and things like that. So we'll continually grow in that. But it just made me think it clicked in my mind that if somebody were to give a good answer, well, how, why is it, why do we need this new body? Wouldn't we just kind of just go there and no, but the, if you don't have, it's not only just the body, but you have to have those three aspects perfected in order to then have a body for those three. Like if you're missing one, the parable of the wedding banquet and the clothes, the clothes that you have, how did you get in here with these clothes? It's saying you have a body of flesh that you brought with you. You can't get him out of here. And it says that they were, they were speechless and says, how did you get in here without the proper clothes? You don't have the proper fullness of faith. You can't carry these clothes in here. You can't carry wickedness in here. And, you know, it says the great banquet hall was filled and then How'd you get in here and you're thrown outside in outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth? So even with this is that the goal is the fullness of faith, which is perfection, perfection in repentance, perfection in obedience, perfection in trust. That's aim for that. And not only aim for it in Messiah, you accomplish it. And then you overcome the world just like he did. He overcame sin and we can do the same thing. Everything that he did, we have the capability of doing, and there's an interesting scripture that Messiah says, greater things you will do than the things that I've done. And we, people would think, well, how in the world could we do something greater than Messiah? And the thing is, it's not that we're greater than Messiah, but what he's saying is, is that yes, these physical healings were done to show that I'm the son of God, to give the proof of that. But the greater healing is that with mother here, with circumcision of the heart, you can bring about spiritual healing to people. Not that we do it, but us giving the good news to people. People have the opportunity to be spiritually healed, which is eternal, which would benefit is it if somebody is healed by Messiah laying hands on them or doing something, but then they don't get away from sin. And then therefore are you really healed anyway. You're, you're, you're temporarily made like you were before in the physical, but if you still continue to sin, then ultimately the healing is no good for you in that aspect. But Messiah told, remember this, Messiah told the disciples, go into all the world and baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit. Be fully immersed, be perfecting in all three aspects. You must be perfect in all three aspects in order to obtain a body that will house that perfect state. And then you're able to enter the kingdom, have fellowship with Yah, walk with Yah, be in the kingdom, have kingdom living where the law of God is there that you will continue to abide in and uphold because now you're in a state of 
once you're there, like, and I've heard maybe somebody say this, well, if you got to the kingdom of heaven, would you want to change your mind and go to hell? Well, at that point, you, you're not able to because you're already immortal, that you're already, and the decision is made when you, when you die, the, where you're going to be. And once you see that, you would not choose to go back to the other side once you see the perfection of it, the fullness of it. And plus, you've already set your mind in that anyway. As you were talking, I was thinking about a beautiful example from an Old Testament perspective of someone who gives us an example of full commitment. Now, obviously, Messiah gave us the example of full commitment, willing to die, uh, and did die for the cause Someone in the Old Testament showing an example of full commitment was actually a female that uh, came to mind. And I'm not talking partial commitment. I'm talking she made a vow to God, and she was absolutely fully committed to it. And the proof in it is that she did things that women in this day and age wouldn't even dream about doing, wouldn't even about doing. But she knew that she made a promise to God, and if God fulfilled her promise, she was going to do what she promised. And it was uh, the mother of Samuel that when uh, she didn't have the, the kids and her husband was like, she was all upset, and her husband was like, don't you mean more to me than 10 sons? And you know, th- this is this is not a big deal, but it was to her that she couldn't produce a child for him. And she prayed to God, and she told God that if, if I have a son, I'm going to give him to you. And after the boy was weaned, okay, which w- probably would have been two years old, probably about two years old. She took him up to the temple and left him there in the charge of the high priest, Eli. And uh, and even to the point that she didn't stay there with him. She gave him to God, and he, he learned uh, from Eli. But it says in there that she would come back once a year with a, you know, with a new uh, garment uh, for him uh, because he would have outgrown the other one that he had. And so year after year, she would go up. So once a year, she gets to see her son. But she was that committed to God and the vow that she made and the, the, the pleasure that she had from, from getting pregnant to bear the child to give birth to have a child like she asked for, she had an absolute full commitment to her vow to God. We should have such a a full commitment in our vow to God. That's that's what God's looking for. And she was strengthened. She, what gave her the ability to be able to leave her child and go away and come back? Well, the strength of God, because 
God was going to take care of him. God was going to protect him. And he was protected. He was taken care of. And she got to see him. She would go once a year, see him, come back. But that was her. And this was the same lady that she was, when she was praying to God, uh, that one of the elders had seen her and thought she was drunk because she was praying uh, vigorously, but no words were coming mouth and he thought she was drunk and she was like you know no it isn't so i'm i don't 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 see me as a wicked woman and then she showed that she wasn't a wicked woman because she carried out her promise that she made to god in absolution guarantee we're going to see her in the kingdom of heaven that's for sure because that's the kind of commitment that God is looking for. That's the kind of commitment that Abraham had. That's the kind of commitment that Messiah had that, oh, this is what, what God says. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, you want me to put my son on the, the altar and sacrifice him? That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to question He didn't question it because we think about it from our perspective in our human mind, and we would go, well, did he really, you know, he must have hesitated or no. No, he was fully committed to God, and so he was going to do it. But God stopped him because that was his test to see, are you fully committed to me? And he was. So that that was just a beautiful example from Samuel's mother that she was uh, very uh, faith-filled and faithful to God. And we should, we should follow that as an example. You make a vow to God, follow it through like she did, no matter what it cost you, because it cost her the pleasure of raising that child. But there was a better reason and a better cause for it. And people today, you ask a wife, a woman today to, uh, okay, as soon as your child's two years old and they're not breastfeeding anymore, now you're going to turn him over to the temple work, the temp, the work of the temple, and well, and he's going to stay there and remain there, and that's going to be his life. Well, if you make that commitment to God, then you better fulfill it. But that was just a a beautiful example. I I just read that story again recently in the Word and. That was the biggest thing that stuck out to me this time as I read it was her commitment level to fulfill the vow that she made to God. And even the, the, she, in the vow it was that uh, no, no razor would ever be put to his, his head. So he would not, uh, he would have, Samuel would have in his whole life, he would have had uh, long hair, a long beard uh, because that would have been passed on to him that I made this commitment that you're, you're not going to cut your hair. So she fulfilled that with 100% absolution. And so God gave her the strength to be able to leave a child like that. And it was a good thing. And look at, look at what Samuel uh, what his life was about. It was about, I mean, he was fully committed to God. And why? Because look at the example he had. He had this great example of a mother that proved 
her full commitment. And so he was programmed for full commitment to be fully committed. And we live in a day and age where people aren't programmed to be fully committed. We're programmed to be committed as long as self is going to get something. It doesn't look like I'm going to get it or things are going to fall apart. Then I'm no longer committed to it. And no, if you commit to being the captain of the ship, then you're the last one off the ship if that ship goes down, even if it means you go down with the ship because that's your commitment level. And that's the level of commitment that God's asking for from anybody who has faith. This aspect of, well, I've committed my life to Christ and then turn around and sin, that means nothing because you're not fulfilling your commitment. You're, You're not doing what you said to do. You were going to do, and therefore, you're going to have to answer for that. So one, don't make a vow to God unless your mind is in the absolute aspect of fulfillment of it, just like Samuel's mother was in the midst of it, because she was fully planning on doing what she said, and she was uh, rewarded for that. I don't know if your mind happened to go to this, but I just had an aspect of this. Think about a spiritual aspect of, I was just thinking of Messiah in this, that Abba and Ima having their son, but then he was given over for to be placed in Mary, but then his work was in the temple. That like We even still have a picture of being willing to, because she's mother's mentioned as like the, the barren versus the, the woman that can produce a child that, I'm willing to conceive a son and let him be born in a body of flesh and then not being being there when he's being raised, but just because remember his life was in the temple where that when he was found in the temple, Mary and Joseph were looking for him. He says, didn't you know I would be in my father's house that he was turned over uh, in a, just an aspect of them having a son that he's turned over. And then, you know, I'm I'm still here with him, but he's his work is in the temple of uh, of Abba, you know, cause he, you know, thinking about being in the, in the priest and, and just that whole godly picture. I was like, wow, we have an, another picture of Messiah and just mother being in this as well, that I'm willing to be fully committed to my son to where I have full confidence in him with his work and what he's going to be doing, that kind of thing. Just a, a thought that came to mind with that. All right. Well, think about mother perspective of, uh, blessed is the barren woman and then she'll have many children will think about it. Okay. She had to give up Messiah to be, to be placed in Mary. So mother, the spirit was barren, but the many that are going to be born of her are everybody who has faith in God that is born of the spirit. So many will be her children because of her sacrifice of the one that she that she gave up to play Mary. And so that was just that thought came to me while you were talking about that. Well, just the there's just so much detail in all of this. And even being given revelation tonight from Yah about the the perfect aspect and perfecting and things like that, that it just gives more understanding of the actual how it is and how it works and the detail that they have that 
this isn't just a quick decision and everything is done and then everything is taken care of. No, it's a process of work and perfecting and it's a journey that everybody's got to, you know, well, those that choose to seek God with all their heart must go through, but it just gives more detail on how relevant the Old Testament is because the Old Testament is the journey of perfecting the mind. The, all those with, with David, when he had the incense with Bathsheba and had the son that he was on his face before God, just crying out, please save the child. But if not, you know, it's, it's in your hands and turning to God with, well, I'm not going to turn away from God because I'm the one that brought this, but I'm just going to get up, wash and move on. It's done. And that's repentance is, Hey, this happened. I'm not doing that again. Move on. And you've got to be steadfast in your mind so that then you can steadfast in heart and then you can be steadfast in soul. And even Messiah said, what does it profit for you to gain everything? But then you lose everything in the end, you lose your body, you lose your identity. And then you go into the abyss and you're without God and you're just in complete chaos. So another alarm to, for those that if you haven't made a commitment to seek with all your heart, you're not guaranteed another moment, another breath. The only guarantee you have of any of that being longer, anything like that is by seeking with all your heart to make sure you're on that journey. Because other than that, nobody's missed anything Once to die, then comes the judgment. And we've talked about that. I I'm just a lesson for me in this is we, again, we, talked at the beginning about the blessing and curses and about perfecting. Well, the aspect of trust in perfecting. Okay. So I was thinking about the blessings and the curses. So I'm sitting at home and just so that those listening out there that me and Phil don't sit around and come up with all these topics on our own, that they're given to us by mother Yeshua and Abba. They give us, they help us. Now we, discern and think about things, but they're ultimately, they choose what they want for them. And I did not get this with what we're even going to start to talk about until about quarter to seven. And it's a blessing. And I'll explain for me, it's a blessing because I was sitting there and I thought, and I had the thoughts of, well, I know that mother will give me what I need. So I'm just, I'm not going to attempt to come up with anything. Just going to just let it go and just relax. And the thought hit me that what a blessing it is that the fact that we may not even know what we're going to talk about until we even come on the air, but a blessing to know that it's not in our control, it's in Yas control. So if they put it right at the, and it wouldn't be the last minute, it would be in their perfect timing that what a blessing to know that it's not us controlling this. It's y'all to where I'm not going to sit here and I don't understand why I'm not getting anything. I'm not leaning on my own understanding and I will get it when, when we need to get it. But I did get it because leading up to it, I just had the word thing and different things like that. I just had those thoughts. And then it was like, and then mother told me this is where we're going to go this evening. I was like, wow, what a blessing because it just helps with the perfecting of trust where even Messiah said that if you go before the Kings, you go before people, don't worry about what to say ahead of time that you'll be given what you need in the proper time by God. They will give you what you need. And all the things that we're talking about, like we don't, we're not sitting here like, all right, what are we going to talk about? And we have a a little ledger sheet here that says, okay, we're going to talk about this. And then we're going to talk about this is, this is directed by Yah, what, what mother wants. 
and the things that we're speaking are the truth of God. And it's just, it came to me as it just the blessings and curses that what a blessing, because it, it makes it to where we're not dependent on ourselves, that we're dependent on God, that we're not, oh my gosh, we got to come up with something different. And because no, it's, we're always going to have things to talk about as long as Yah's in control of this, because they'll take something that we think that we've already covered and they'll go deeper, just like they're doing now that the next podcast could be, we, well, we're just going to continue talking about this and, and we'll get more information or, and things like that. And that's the thing about when you seek God with all your heart, it's a focus on Yah and what they want. It's not on what the world says it should be. It's what they want. And I just, just give praise to Yah that we're able to do this. And it's because we're listening to them and how they want us to, to do this. But it's such a huge thing. How many people are have been programmed to think that because I made this decision as a baby or as a kid that I'm safe and, and I'm saved and there's just, no, there's so much more to it. And just be willing to open your mind to put the things that you think you know on the shelf and be willing to go after it with everything so that you can find this truth that we have because there's other people out there that are like us that Yah knows who they are and people we don't know the depths of who's been listening, who's downloaded podcasts, things like that. But this is just another, just a great thing by Yah. It just shows me that I'm just, it's just such a blessing of God to be able to reach the people that we're able to reach. And, and Yah is reaching people in this. And I can't remember the, just, a, I don't even know if we're at it. We were like around 2,900 downloads. And just the fact that we've been doing this over a hundred episodes and just, you know, just give glory to God in this. It's just a just beautiful thing. And how many downloads really doesn't matter because we, we, we don't want to focus on numbers and think that numbers make a difference. Because if we got stuck in that, then, well, we've only got this many people in the gathering and we've been doing this 13 years. Yeah, but we're still doing it with the same amount of people, pretty much the same amount of people that we started with. There's been some uh, changes in and out, but we it's it's not about the numbers don't determine whether you're getting truth from God. The, the amount of people doesn't matter. And as a matter of fact, what we know is that as time goes on, fewer and fewer people are going to actually find the true faith in God. Many will find their faith in Christianity. And then they will find out that it's the lie, but they're, they're not going to be that many people that have the, and the determination and the uh, mindset and the attitude to say, no, this is the truth and I'm going after it and I'm, I'm not stopping. I will not accept whatever somebody else says that doesn't go with the word. I'm going to go with the word. That's how I'm going to live my life. And if anybody doesn't like it, then that's their problem, not mine. And if to depart from that person because of it, so be it. Because God is more important to, to me than anything. And that's just a fact of it. We live in a world where people would be like, well, that's, that's pretty, you, you mean even before your wife? Absolutely. Now she comes in second, no, no question, and she should. And then my uh, kids come in third. And then anybody else after that, you know, get in line. But that's the objective goal because 
the best ability for me to love my wife and to uh, treat her right is for me to give up my absolute full commitment to God, because they're the ones that are going to give me the knowledge and the wisdom and the understanding in order to live my life in a way that will be pleasing to her. And it is, and we've, uh, we've improved and increased so much that, you know, it's one of those things. I wish we would have had this when we were first married. No, we didn't. And so I can't wish that because it's an impossibility to happen. So what do I do? I rejoice that the fact that we do have it now and that it is a blessing of all the stuff that we went through to get here. So I wouldn't change it uh, because I really enjoy the life that I have. And that's why, you know, a lot of times like doing the podcast or at the beginning of the podcast, you'll ask me how my day was. Well, I've shaped my mind and continue to shape my mind in the fact that every day is a good day. And why? Because every day is a functional day. Function and dysfunction, I choose to make everything that happens in my day functional. And yeah, are there challenges? Are there struggles? Absolutely. But it's those struggles that allow us to become stronger. That's how we persevere and endure. And that perseverance and endurance, we're lifting heavier weights and we're able to push through so that the next time something comes along, that's a little more intense then we can handle that. And then something else comes along. It's a little more intense and then we can handle that. And we've even seen that within the gathering that we have, we've grown from that perspective as well. And I just had this thought on the perfecting aspect is perfecting means you're always willing to grow and change to improve and get better from a godly perspective. And I just thought about this. If you're, if you're going outside and you have, let's say you have fruit trees in your yard and you prune the trees, you're perfecting the tree that you're cutting away that, which is not necessary. So perfecting doesn't mean this, all right, it's all done and it's all exactly right. And you stop. No, it's always about, it can always, this side of being in the kingdom and that perfected body can always improve in something. And it's not going overboard to like burn yourself out, but it just means what can I do in this situation to improve it, make it a little bit better. Even I, I enjoy cooking a lot that I'll make recipes over and over again and I'll make it and I'll, and I'll season it and oh, that's good. But you know what? Next time I think I'm going to add a little bit more lime juice. I'm going to add a little bit more salt, a little bit. And then because people will say, well, this is the perfect recipe. Well, no, it, it, cause you'll get comments. that will say, well, it was good, but I added buttermilk and I, yeah, but why are you changing it? Well, because, attempting to perfect it. Uh, I'm attempting to make it better. And that's the thing is like, once you get circumcision of the heart, there's no better you can achieve than that. But it's the fact that you're in Messiah that the perfecting is, is you working on yourself to be more and more like him, but you're seen as Messiah because of your, your, your mindset and your commitment that you made to God that, okay, well, I'm seeing my son, and I, and do we sit here and really think that God doesn't know that you're hidden in Messiah, that they don't know that? Of course they do. But they, what they, they see that full commitment that you're walking as he did. And that's what we're pleased with. And we know you have all this to deal with, with your lower conscience. And it's by grace that you're saved. And that's why Paul was told that you've been given a thorn in the flesh to keep you from getting boastful because realize that it's Paul, it's not by your works yourself that you're saved. It's by grace. So we know 
lower conscience, you have issues, but we're putting you in control of it. You, you put those things to death. You beat the body into submission. We know that. So it's just an aspect of always be looking for ways to grow, ways to improve. And that just keeps you growing and moving. And it keeps you in a perfecting mindset to where, yes, I'm walking at peace, but I know that tomorrow I'm going to do the best I can and just see where I can improve. Because really, if you stop doing that, then you, you start regressing. And then we even recently talked about this is that because I'm um, a musician myself, I play trumpet that there's information that I have, but the level of endurance and things that I had 20 years ago, I've lost that. And it's because I stopped practicing, I stopped perfecting that. Now I could go back to it, but it would take a while to get it all the way back up again. So the point of this is that it's not that you get in the journey and then you just stop. It's you get in it and you continue forward and you keep going and you keep moving. And just like Messiah said that you, you hear these words of mine and you put them into practice, you increase and move. It keeps you from being unproductive and ineffective in your, your faith journey and you'll receive a rich welcome, but don't be like the one that takes the talent and just buries it and does nothing with it. No, you, you bring an increase that, yeah, I've given you many talents, an increase, bring interest, grow to it, add to it. It'd be like if, all right, we did one podcast, that's it. That's all we need to do. No, let's keep it growing. Let's keep it moving. Let's keep it living and active. And that's the thing. The word is living and active. So as long as we're walking with God, then we'll, we will never have something, we'll never be in a state we have nothing to talk about. We'll always have things to talk about unless we get, if we attempt to take it over then, well, we'll get to a point where, well, we've talked about this over and over. What else can we add? Well, there's a lot more we can add. We could go back to the very beginning and go through all those podcasts and, and add way much more to all these things. It's just what, what y'all want. So the life of faith in God is a life of perfecting. Uh, that, that's the truth. Well, and if we added anything to the podcast, it wouldn't be us adding it. I. Uh, it would be uh, adding that. Aiming for perfection is, is an interesting concept because there's a whole lot more involved. I'll put it to like archery, okay? Aim for the bullseye, okay? Well, okay, so the first, before you even see the target, the bullseye, you've got to commit yourself to the archery before you even are standing in a position to be in front of a target to aim for the bullseye. And there's a whole lot involved in that, that you have to do before you even get the target in front of you. See, you have to get the uh, bow and then you have to get the arrows and then you have to learn how to shoot how to aim, how to make uh, compensation for wind. And you you have to go through those processes of learning those things before you get up to the, the bullseye or the target that has the bullseye before you can even start shooting at it. You have to know how to shoot. You have to know how to load the arrow. What are you going to do? You're going to take the point of the arrow and put it on the string and pull back? and shoot it no you have to learn that 
No, the arrow goes around the other way. You have the point going forward, and then you have to draw back. And when you draw back, you got to keep steady. And there's, there's so there's a lot of steps and stuff in the process that you have to learn. But if you're going to be the best you can be at it, you have to be fully committed to it. And when you're fully committed to it, that's what gives you the ability to then be able to carry it out and uh, work in accordance with the reality of it. And so you don't even get to the bullseye and say, I look at this from a faith perspective, is that when we're born, when we're born in this life, sin is is considered missing the target. That's a, a archery term that the the sin is the you miss the you miss the target. Well, when we're in that place, we don't even have the God in front of us. So no wonder we're going to miss the target because we don't we don't even have that target in sight. I'm not capable of hitting that target because it's not in sight. Well, I have to pick up the weapons. I have to learn. I have to go to the the teacher and and have him teach me how to use these weapons or how to use these things in order that I can get to a place. And circumcision of the heart is when the target of God then comes into view. And okay, now we're on the, the range and the target's up there. Now we constantly work for shooting at the bullseye and you make adjustments. You you hit the outer edge of the the target uh, to the left. Okay, I'm got to move it to the right. Now I do it again. Well, now it hit the middle of the target, but it was low. So now I got to I keep that same place I have, but now I got to raise it. Oh, now it's too high. But we're always shooting for that bullseye, and the more you practice it, the closer you get to the bullseye, and then you start hitting it. But like we've talked about before, even from this, uh, the perfecting perspective of the mind, the heart, and the soul, is it's a circular perspective. It's, it's circular, so you don't just, okay, I'm, I'm perfect in these things, so there's nothing I do. No, you have to then be holy as God is holy. That's your being, is you living in that, so that you constantly are working in the perfection of the mind, the heart, and the soul within the process of it. And so there's so many steps in the process. It's like a little kid who says, I'm going to be an NFL football player. They've never played a day of football in their life. They've never felt the the weight of the pads. They've never felt the impact of another person, your same size or bigger, uh, coming after you. And so you have to go through the paces. And if you're fully committed to it, then that's your best chance for you to get there uh, because it takes work and determination and hard work to get there. So you have that determination and you make sure that nothing else does it. Okay, now you get the opportunity to go to the uh, spring training camp. Okay, now you have a chance to prove yourself, but you still haven't made the team and you're still not on the football field yet. But then 
you you get that final cut and you made it. Oh, circumcision of the heart. There it is. I'm here. Now I can play. Oh, I don't just, oh, I made the team. I'm just going to sit on the bench. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just, no, you're, you're going to continue to uh, do what you did to get here and we'll continue to increase and improve along the way as we go. So just various different things that you can look at that the end result to get to it, there's a whole lot of steps at the beginning. And if you just are dreaming about what it's going to be like to be in the NFL, because oh, I have lots of money and, and that means I'll have lots of girls and I'll have fancy cars. And, uh, and so that's what your focus is on. Then you're not going to make it there because you're not committed to it. You're committed to what you might get if you get the money instead of, no, I'm fully committed because I want to play this game or I want to do this thing or I want to be in the Olympics. Or, you know, a lot of times kids will see the Olympics and I want to be in the Olympics. Well, commit yourself to it because that's going to be the best chance you have to get there. And so just, uh, it's just really interesting uh, the amount of information that mother brings out. And again, we just, like you said, we don't come in with preset notes and bullet points. And we have, when mother gives us the topic, we put it in there and then we don't even discuss it until we start the podcast. And then our discussion or our talking is right as we're doing it. And sometimes like tonight, mother giving extra information that we hadn't uh, seen before or thought of. And I'll take that anytime, anytime and always. Um, but as for me with this aspect of shooting for, for, for perfection, um, I, I've spoken my piece for this evening and uh, I'll, I'll let you carry us on out. Well, and I think we've had this one other time, but I would never would have thought that I would compare what we're doing to professional wrestling, but I just had a scenario that you'll chuckle at this. And those of you, this when you wouldn't know this until I tell you, but when I was growing up, I was a big fan of the older wrestling back in, cause we're in the South here, the Carolina days of the NWA and the mid Atlantic wrestling and Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes and all these other, and that's not the point of bringing it up. It was the point of, I had watched a video recently, it might even been today, that talking about how, because with that it's scripted and that people will get in there and they still hit each other and stuff like that, but it's a predetermined thing. Well, it made me think of that. What they used to do is they would have two people get in the ring and wrestle and they would actually, what they would call, they would call the spots in the ring as opposed to they rehearse it ahead of time, kind of like what they do now. And it just made me think of when we come in, it'd be just like if we were just going to go outside and wrestle that we're not planning ahead what we're going to do, but we have knowledge of doing it so long that you know what the product is, you know what the goal is, is to bring the truth of God to people. And you just use the experiences that you've had and you just, like you said, we don't rehearse it, but we've done this for so long because even before we did the podcast, we would get together and do this for on Tuesday nights for many hours and then go walking and talking about the truth of God. So we've been doing this for a while. So really all the practicing 
that when we come to this, it's really a performance. And the preparation of the performance is just God making changes, corrections, changing your mind to get into the heart so that we can, when we come in, it may sound like to you like, oh, they, they must rehearse and, and we don't. And this isn't to build us up. This is to show the power of God that you could look at us like Peter and James or they walk around and that they, they, re- they recognize that they were not educated in the world, but they spent time with God. And then therefore, you know, well, help me with this. Well, I'm silver and gold. I don't have, but the truth of God, here it is, you know, kind of deal. So yeah, we can't come up with this stuff by ourselves. Uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't come up with this stuff if I tried. Well, we, and the thing is what I found is if we attempt to come up with it, mother shuts my mind off to where, like, and we talked about this recently that I'm just sitting there like of all the things that we could talk about. And like, I don't where nothing's coming to mind. And it's like, you can sit there and be like, well, we could talk about this or that, but then you'll just be sitting there meditating. And then all of a sudden, what about this? And you're like, Oh, I didn't think about that. Well, that's the point is how can you trust me to give this to you if you're going to come up with it? And so that's where it hit me of, wow, this is a, wow, this is a blessing to do this, but no, this is a, we've had a lot of really good functional information. This is a, a good place to stop. And, um, no, just another really good podcast. And, uh, the next time, Lord willing, which is uh, Saturday, we'll have another podcast. But um, yeah, Phil, we'll we'll stop it here tonight, and appreciate everybody listening in, and those that will listen. And um, just ask that Mother will speak to those that are seeking with all their heart, those that are tuning in, and um, we'll we'll see you on the next podcast. Everybody, have a good evening. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure non-stop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.